You are listening to the Postpartum Coach Podcast, episode number three, My Story Part One. Welcome to the Postpartum Coach Podcast, where we embrace our needs as moms, we learn how to lead ourselves first, then our families, and where we create our own healing from the inside out and find our way to the work we were meant to do in this world. I'm your host, a fellow mom of three, a songwriter, life coach, and wellness advocate, Liz Langston. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, my sweet podcast listener. It's Liz again, and here I am. Today's episode, I'm going to share part one of what I consider to be my story. I feel honored to share my story in a space where I know other mothers are listening. And I want you to, as you listen to my story, be thinking about what's your story. And a fun exercise to do that is just get out a piece of paper and make a timeline and just put a dot for each kind of significant event in your motherhood. That's what my story is going to be all about motherhood and the postpartum periods Uh, included, but also kind of outside of that as well. I'm going to include a few other things that are significant to where I'm at today, how I became who I am, how I found coaching, how I wrote songs and released an album, how I had three kids in four years, and the good, bad, and beautiful of it all. So that's what I'm sharing today. And I just ask that you, uh, as you listen, just again, remember that you have a story as well. I want to do a little pre- Claimer, disclaimer, whatever you want to call it. If you are pregnant and birth trauma stories are unsettling or just don't feel like they need to be in your life right now, totally understandable. I would just skip the first quarter of this episode, like the part that I'm about to say. Just skip that and then kind of go to the next part. And last but not least, before I delve into my story, I just want to tell you that this will be valuable to you if you are a mom who's either expecting her first baby or second or third. If you're expecting a baby, it's going to be helpful in giving you some perspective and some sort of foresight going into your postpartum, the year year postpartum. And then if you are in that first year, whether you have or have not struggled with postpartum anxiety and or depression, I think you really glean a lot of insight from what I've experienced and where I've been. I'm going to share it with you in a way that will be helpful to you because of course, this isn't just a walk down memory lane for me, right? This is the point of me sharing this story today is to help someone, help you moms. So just realize that this is told with a lot of love and the way I tell it and the context in which I frame it is all going to be helpful for you. So that's my hope. Here we go. Okay, so I became a mom April 23rd, 2018, when my first son was born. At the time, I was finishing my bachelor's degree in family life online through Brigham Young University, Provo. And I did a traditional hospital delivery, had an epidural and everything. It was a little bit different because I didn't know that I had developed preeclampsia. And so between probably week 36 and week 37 or 37 and 38, somewhere in there, I 
I had developed preeclampsia, so I went in for my weekly checkup, peed in the cup like you always do at the OB's office, woo, and um, he found protein in my urine, and my blood pressure was crazy. I still remember the look on the, like, I don't know if you call him a nurse or whatever, the, the like, the tech's face when she took my blood pressure before I went into the doctor's office, the OB's office, and she's like, uh, like, are you feeling okay? Is the baby okay? Side note, medical professionals, please, I hate those questions so much. That's the scariest question to ask a mom that's like really pregnant. Uh, have you been feeling the baby? But yeah, that was really scary. But anyway, it was just preeclampsia and my blood pressure was crazy, which is a symptom of preeclampsia. And because it was so high and I could seize, they had me go into the hospital and get induced and have the baby that day. So luckily through a whisper of what I call the Holy Spirit, like God told me like in a little whisper before I left for that appointment, I just had this nudge that I needed to pack a bag for the hospital, which was so strange because I knew I wasn't due for two weeks, but I just felt like I needed to. So amazing how in intertwined in our lives God is because I did go to the hospital that same day. I didn't even have a chance to go home. Like they were like drive straight to the hospital. It was across the street. So, and my husband was taking a test. He had to leave his test and come to the hospital, but he was able to get there well before the birth and it was great. So delivery and everything was awesome. Couldn't ask for a better experience that way at the time, you know, with everything that I was expecting and really not knowing what I wanted. In hindsight, I genuinely didn't really know. I had not been introspective as far as what I wanted in a labor and delivery experience. Just as a new mama, I hadn't really thought about it. Really, I think what I wanted the most was to be a good patient for the nurses and to just not be needy and everything. And in doing so, I think in hindsight, I think I kind of suppressed a lot of my concerns there in the hospital, which came to bite me later. And so that is one piece of advice. If you are going to have your first baby or if you're going to have your second or whatever, just in the hospital, I know we all want to be not a burden, right? Uh, as a patient, but at the same time, you have genuine needs. This is a really big life event. So make sure that you're getting your questions asked and answered. And if you don't have the courage or the audacity to ask your own questions and it's really affecting you negatively or you think it might, you can totally hire a doula who can be there not just to help you through labor and just honestly, even if you're not doing a natural labor, it's so nice to have somebody who's very familiar with the medical system and who can be a support to you just with the hospital. If you've never had a baby before and you're otherwise pretty healthy, you probably haven't been in the hospital a lot. And it can be, uh, I don't say bureaucracy in a, in a negative way. I just mean that there's a way that things are done. And sometimes as an outsider coming in and you're very vulnerable and needing a lot of help and you're just so unfamiliar with how they do things and what your rights are and what you can ask for. So whether you want to just meet with a couple moms and talk about the full hospital experience or hire someone, I would totally recommend that. Side note, getting a tour of the hospital does not count. Okay. Yes. You'll kind of get a touch of a feel of where things are and maybe a little bit of talk of about services that you can have as a mom there, but there's nothing like hiring someone or talking through it with someone who's been through the whole series of events of having a baby, you know, being moved from labor and delivery into postpartum and what that is all like, what you can expect, just the ins and out would be really good 
to get a feel for before going into it. Anyway, so I'm going to tell, this is the part where if you're pregnant and, you know, pregnancy and delivery, it's like trauma stuff scares you just skip ahead a little bit. But I, I was, so I, because of the preeclampsia, I had been, um, on magnesium. I had been put on magnesium and my doctor chose to leave me on it. Um, and magnesium is a muscle relaxant and he left me on it for the whole night after I had the baby, I had the baby around 10 at night and he left me on it for 12 hours, which was the best decision medically. I didn't know it at the time. And it, I didn't learn it till years later in talking with a midwife and some other people who were in the know. I just never really asked the questions. Again, I was sort of a very passive personality when it came to my care and it did not serve me well, but I didn't know any different or any better. So that's where I was at. But later on, I found that the magnesium was a muscle relaxant to keep me from seizing super great, right? I want to keep my brain safe, keep me alive. But the one negative thing was that it didn't allow my uterus to contract as a a normal uteruses normally do postpartum. And so I ended up having a lot of blood sort of pool in my abdomen and my uterus. And so I had hemorrhaging. I hemorrhaged um, that night and it they couldn't get it to stop. They pers- they pushed the emergency button and all the nurses on the floor were in my room at once. The on-call OBGYN was elbow deep in me. And luckily she was a sweet little short, like four foot something cutie. And so it was like at least more comfortable than maybe my doctor's arm would have been, but she was scraping me out a DNC without anesthetics essentially is what it was because she thought maybe the um, placenta was parts of it were, were maybe still in me. Again, I'm so sorry if this is too much for you. Feel free to skip ahead. But for me, it's just what happened. And I think it's helpful to tell you I'll get to that in a minute. So anyway, my husband gave me a priesthood blessing, which in our faith is essentially the closest thing you can get to talking to Heavenly Father it's, or God. It's just a way to have comfort and revelation right there in the moment. I believe that God is accessible to us through, you know, when we are being virtuous and we have a a sincere intent to be in touch with him in our lives, whether it's through prayer or a blessing from somebody who, you know, holds the priesthood power or whatever. I just, I believe that that blessing totally helped my body to stop bleeding, which it did uh, shortly after he gave me that blessing. And then they decided to take me off the magnesium. My, my blood pressure had come down and the bleeding was a risk. And so everything was safe. But what this led to for me was a longer than usual physical recovery. So usually it's two to four weeks, you know, before you can kind of resume low impact, you know, like walking picking up your baby and everything as a newly postpartum mom. And for me, my doctor said it was going to be six to eight weeks and it definitely was. So that was something that kind of played a a role in my postpartum experience. I will say I tried really hard. I knew that I had experienced trauma and the farther away from that date where everything happened that I got as time passed, I, I knew I needed to process it. And so I had a couple close friends who I was able to just tell the whole story to in full detail. And that was helpful verbally expressing it and reliving it that way. And then just journaling about it. So I really made an effort. I didn't hire any therapist or social worker or anything like that. Um, I just didn't think about it. And I also don't, I think I was a little bit, again, I was so passive as far as taking care of myself. And 
I wouldn't even say I was passive. I would say I'm, I was quite normal at that point. What I was is I was just uneducated about how to attend to my own needs. And that is something that motherhood teaches us, right? I mean, or it doesn't, and then you don't take care of yourself one or the other. But if you're going to learn, if you're going to take care of yourself as a woman and you're a mother, there's a whole new art of doing that and a whole new way of needing to go about it once you have an infant or a toddler, et cetera, to take care of and yourself. And so um, I hadn't quite learned that art yet. And I hadn't learned what it looked like to make space for myself and my needs and to advocate them and everything, which I'm so much better at now. And I'm sure I'll talk more about that throughout this story, but America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Yeah, so I didn't hire anyone and thought I had processed it as much as I needed to, but we'll get back to that later. That comes back into play with baby number two in another year from where I'm at in the story. So everything was okay though. And honestly, with my, my first baby, I did not experience postpartum depression or anxiety, which is fascinating, right? Because I had that traumatic labor and delivery in that postpartum. Actually, labor and delivery were not traumatic. It was the postpartum hospital stay that you know I had that hemorrhaging and trauma. I had to have a, a double, a two-unit blood transfusion to expedite my healing and everything. And I, I almost passed out on the floor of the hospital, <laughs> but luckily there were two people holding on to me either side of me and kept me from hitting the floor. <laughs> so that was good. But anyway, that was, so that's the wrapped up story. If you're pregnant and you fast forwarded, come back into me <laughs> right now. We can, you can come back into the story now, but yeah. So Again, that was April, May, June, and now we're fast forwarding to the end of that year is when I started to delve into songwriting. And if you don't know this, I have an original album that I raised money for, crowdfunded the money for, and was successful in that campaign and was so grateful to everyone for donating so that I could create that album, um, all of my fans and friends and family. And I created an album. Um, But that's later on in the story. Right now in the story, so that the end of the first year where I had my baby, I wrote one of my hit songs, I guess you could say, a very popular song with mothers. So if you haven't heard it yet, I'll I'll put the link in the show notes. There's a music video and or just the recorded song as well. And it's called Promise Me. And so I wrote that October of 2014, the same, you know, about six months after I'd had my first baby. And I remember as clear as day, the conversation with the postman that sparked the writing of that song. And I wrote it as I was rocking my baby to sleep and I put him down to bed, you know, he fell asleep and then I went and wrote the song and it's really sweet and it's such a mother's lullaby. So definitely feel free to check that out. It's on iTunes, Apple music, Amazon music, Spotify, everywhere. So wrote promise me. And I also wrote that December around Christmas time is my first Christmas being a mother. And if you don't know me, I'm passionate about 
children, and I'm passionate about Jesus Christ and the role that he played in everybody's life, whether they recognize it and believe in it and know it or not. And so my first Christmas as a mother was a really sweet time of just reflection on how I wanted to teach and raise my child to believe and love Jesus Christ and understand his mission and his life. So I wrote his name was Jesus, which is definitely a Christian lullaby for a a small child that just tells the story of Jesus. So definitely check that out if you love, you know, Jesus as well. Um, and if you want to teach your kids about him. And so I just had my new muse, right? So I I had some really supportive friends who encouraged me to pick up songwriting again. I, ha- I, had, I had written music for like 10 years. I mean, since my late teens. But, uh, and at this point I was 24 years old. But um, I had always hidden it. I had a shoebox and a pocket recorder, and I would record my ideas of songs and the melodies that came to me in the recorder, and I would write the lyrics on paper, and I would keep it all in a shoebox that I could hide and take out when I wanted to put things into it and then put it back so no one would ever hear it, and it was just my little secret hobby. But Promise Me was so popular with people that I showed it to when I got brave enough to do so that it gave me the confidence little by little hearing people's raving reviews of it to to go ahead and like put it out there. So I um, hired a producer, recorded it, released it as a single. It's my first single. And then I released His Name Was Jesus as well. This was all in 2015, early 2015. And it was just so fun to really step into that light that I had within myself that I'd been kind of holding back for so long. So if you're a creative and you can relate to that, I'm glad. We are kindred spirits. So in April of 2015, I actually completed my degree and walked at BYU's commencement or convocation, whatever, graduation. So I was able to get my diploma and it's hanging on the wall behind me. But the reason this is fun is because I actually found out I was pregnant with our second baby during that whole week of graduation. So that was awesome. And there came baby number two, December 2015. So the next year. And I again had, her name's Rosalind. I had my second baby in the hospital. She was six days overdue. So I actually went in to be induced, but my contraction had, contractions had started that afternoon and I was induced in the evening. So they just put me on the very smallest bit of Pitocin and labor and delivery was beautiful as far as I knew it in hindsight and the way I do things now with having babies. I've had one other baby since then. It wasn't the way I would have done it and it wasn't the best for my body just laying in a bed and having the baby come. It just obliterated my back and I actually had to be on really heavy pain meds in the weeks following Rosalind's birth because I had just not gotten up at all because I had the um, epidural and I don't knock epidurals. Like if that's your choice birth, you know, way of choice, I honor you. I just, in hindsight, it wasn't necessarily the epidural itself. It was just the lack of actually getting up and moving around and helping my body get that baby out that really hurt my back. I think I had back labor with her, but again, I, I didn't know because I I was completely medicated, but because of the terrible back pain and heavy meds I had to be on to just deal with that pain, I, I think it was com- in combination of the epidural after effects and also I think it was back labor. So anyway, that didn't though, the back pain and everything in the meds was like a little bit later once I got home a couple, you know, like the first few weeks after being home. But my first experiences with postpartum anxiety and panic attacks, 
that shortness of breath and everything, you know, the obsession about thing, you know, things with the husband or the baby, that was in the hospital in the postpartum room. And I think what happened is I, you know, those postpartum rooms that they put you in at the hospital are all very much the same. They all look the same. And when I went in, when I was wheeled into that room, I just had flashbacks of all the trauma from from the postpartum room in baby number one with the hemorrhaging and everything. And so I really struggled right off the bat once I got into that postpartum room. And I think it was a combination of the environment and just hormones and everything. And like I said, I had tried so hard to process it and I thought I had, but being back in the hospital again and sitting in a postpartum room again and just everything was so it just took me right back to that trauma and I, you know, subconsciously or whatever, I just kind of freaked out. And I started with like, for no real reason. Um, I remember one, one thing that did trigger my freaking out was remember how I said I had almost passed out when I got up to use the bathroom after baby number one. Well, the same thing happened, the same sensation, you know, I got up to use the bathroom with baby number two. And I had that sensation of like going to pass out, but I didn't know what that was. I didn't know that it was just blood rushing, right? I had just lost a lot of blood in delivery and it was just like the uneven circulation of blood and blood settling and rushing with, you know, after delivery. And I just, I didn't know what it was. Like I had never passed out before. And so that sensation really scared me. And I had a lot of anxiety come around that. And so I did almost pass out actually again, but they were able to like snap a packet of whatever that is that they snap in front of you and make me not pass out and kind of snap out of it. But I remember I requested oxygen because I felt like I couldn't breathe and I was short of breath. And my husband had a companion on his mission, his LDS mission that he served for two years in Australia. And he'd had a companion that had really a lot of anxiety. And so he had gone to therapy alongside his companion and he had, my husband actually had learned some breathing exercises. And so he was able to kind of help talk me down enough to be able to go home. But the nurse that had been with me, that had been caring for me, she was concerned about my, my mental state because of the, the oxygen that I was wanting and the kind of panic I was having and just the look in my eyes, I'm sure. And so she called my doctor and he had me stay and be, he required me to be evaluated by um, a psychologist before I could go home. And that was a little bit devastating to me because my husband and kids, my husband took the kids home to go home and I had to stay for like six more hours by myself. The, the new baby was with me, but it was just like, oh, I just wanted to be home so bad. So, um, got evaluated. I remember obsessing a little bit about my husband. So he was going home to put the kid, the older two kids in bed, sorry, the older one kid in bed. This was my second baby. And he, he was going to relieve our babysitter who at the time was this really cute young mom, kind of around our age, maybe a little older, (laughs) just laughing. You guys, I was just so nuts at this time. It's okay. It's okay to be nuts we do, we get that way and it gets our babies here and it's okay, but we just got to have a lot of TLC with ourselves. But anyway, I remember telling the psychologist lady that had to talk me through everything and make sure I was good to go home. I was like, I'm pretty sure my husband's going to leave me for that babysitter. Like, why would he want to stay with me? I'm crazy. I'm here in the hospital. I am not fit to go home. She's cute. She does CrossFit and my husband likes CrossFit. (laughs) She's beautiful. And I was just the funniest funniest thing. I can laugh about it now. And you will too, if you're in this. Okay. You'll, you will too. But anyway, so 
long story short, I got home, but the anxiety totally followed me there. I, it, I was not free of it and I wasn't going to be for a long time, but I didn't know that. And so I, what I did is I knew my husband really couldn't help me. Um, he was, I think he was even asleep and I was just having a panic attack again, or I could feel one coming on the anxiety was building up. And so I called the hotline. I'm going to pause real quick in my story and tell you that as a coach now, I have so many tools to help people with anxiety, and I haven't even touched on any of those. I'm just sharing my story first. I really want to connect with y'all. I want you to know that I'm a normal person. I want you to know where I've been, and then I want that to help you come with me as I teach you all the many wonderful tools that I can give you to totally save you from a lot of the suffering um, that I went through. And it doesn't mean that there's not going to be suffering and we don't, that's not, I mean, part of life is, is pain and going through things like this, but there was so much pain that I caused myself that I could have not have experienced. And there was, this could have been such a cleaner experience had I had some tools. And so anyway, I'm so excited to share those with you in later episodes. Yeah. So I called the hotline and he had me put like lemon on my tongue and you know, whatever my, my pride was out the window. I was totally desperate and not really sure what to do with all this anxiety. So, okay. Um, I don't want this to get too long, so I'm going to just kind of speed up through January through March, right? So I had the baby in December. She was just mid-December. And so January through March, oh my heavens, let me just tell you, take a breather. Here we go. This is like the second half of this part of the story. We had sickness in our house nonstop for three months. It was crazy. My so I had, at the time I had my newborn baby and I had a, like a 20 month old and he got bronchiolitis and had to be on albuterol breathing treatments a few times a day, terrible wheezing and everything like that. He had double ear infections, which came with dizziness and fever fevers. He had a febrile seizure in my arms as I was on the phone with the ambulance. I had to go with him in the ambulance to the children's hospital. Super common, but I had no clue. Apparently it's, it's very common. And, and I've since learned you know, how to deal with fevers and fevers aren't that big of a deal. But as a first, this is my first child. Like he's my oldest child. It's my first time going through stuff like this with an older child who has pretty nasty sicknesses and a febrile seizure was traumatic for me and scary. And my husband was pulling like, I don't even know, like 10 hour days at school or more. Uh, he's gone like uh, like 7 a.m. to 11 at night or one in the morning, depending. It was his senior year of his mechanical engineering degree. And so he was just gone all the time. And anyway, so there was the febrile seizure and the trip to the hospital for that. Pink eye went through the family. My newborn got what her brother had. Unfortunately, we tried so hard not to get her sick too, but she got it and it developed into pneumonia and she was on breathing treatments as well. I had bronchitis and it got so bad I couldn't even speak. Like my voice was gone. I remember family came in town for the for my new baby daughter's blessing and I couldn't even talk with them. And these are people I never see, but I couldn't even have a conversation because I, I couldn't talk. So it was just crazy, all of this. I got food poisoning. That was lovely. While I was nurse, trying to nurse and have enough milk for the baby, I was, you know, what food poisoning does. And all the while, I still had anxiety in the background throughout all of this. Um, and sometimes it would flare up. So let me tell you this next part, and then I'll tell you about the panic attack. So I had a cyst that burst. I didn't know what it was. All I knew is I had this terrible lower back and abdominal pain, and then I had a fever. And so I had somebody watch my um, my kids, and I was able to go to the urgent care and 
they were able to get me antibiotics so that my fever would die down. But I did make, I had to make an appointment with a urologist, a specialist, a urologist to, um, because, so I got the, the meds to keep the fever down. And then I needed to go in and get a cat CT scan where they just, I think it was what it was, where they scan your whole body. And that's when they found that it was a cyst that had burst and they didn't know where exactly it had burst because it already happened, but I was having all these symptoms. And so I had an appointment with a urologist and guys, let me tell you, my anxiety was so bad at this time that (laughs) I had a panic attack the morning before going in for my CT scan. I was sweeping my floors in my house, trying to distract myself from the anxiety I could feel piling up on top of me. And I, it just like overcame me. And I didn't know though, I didn't know really that it was anxiety. I just thought, this is what I thought. I thought I was bleeding internally. I believed it like so convinced that I made my husband, like I shouted at him. I was like, no, you will. He's like, you think this could be anxiety? I was like, no, I'm bleeding. I, I, I think I'm dying. Right. Because the feeling you get when you're having a panic attack is like that lightheaded dizziness and your like my arms were tingling, you know, the crazy physiological sensations that can happen as part of a panic attack. So I, I genuinely believed that I was probably dying and that I was bleeding internally. And I had my husband call the ambulance, like a 911, whatever they came in, took my vitals. And they're like, you know, do you think this is anxiety? And that was like, the first kind of flag that was raised for me, which it probably was really obvious to other people. But for me, I was so clueless. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? I was so embarrassed. I apologized profusely. And I was so upset that I had to ask my brother to take part of his day off of work and drive me to my appointment because like, I didn't feel like I could even drive. And he sat there with me through my whole appointment, (gasps) sweet soul. And neither of us could really understand what was going on for me and why I was so worked up. I I definitely didn't understand. And so... (laughs) That was probably the apex of my anxiety because once I could put a name on it and the the ambulance people, the med- medics, whatever, had told me, you know, clued me into that that's what it was, then it was like I had a context for finding a solution. So that's, again, one of the hopes with this podcast is that this will give you the context to maybe put a name on your own symptoms and get on track to find the help that you need. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. And so went into the urologist because after the CT results came through, I needed to see a urologist. And he was the one that said, your symptoms are over. Like the cyst is good, whatever. It's all already happened. But I really think what you're struggling with is anxiety and possibly some postpartum depression as well. So why don't you go see your OB about that? And so at this point, we're at the end of March. My kids had been sick for And I, my kids and I and my husband had been sick on and off, but mostly on for the better part of three months. Um, And that means I I wasn't hiring sitters because we were all sick. I couldn't ask someone to come watch my kids so I could get out. I was sick. They were sick. I was caring for my kids nonstop. My husband was in full-time school. No play dates because sick kids. Hello, hashtag sick babies. I had no social um, happening at all. And I basically got through it, survived it on episodes of Downton Abbey and baking treats. And I was in the doctor's office with my kids like at least twice to three times a week when it was bad throughout those months. And it was crazy. The only errands I ever really ran was either to the pharmacy drive through or to Walgreens to pick up like Gatorade or medicine. So it kind of is a great recipe for postpartum anxiety getting worse, which it did, and then eventually leading into postpartum depression. So at the time that I got back from the urologist's appointment and really understood that pretty sure what I'm going through is postpartum anxiety and postpartum depression. I was basically not able to care for my kids. That's kind of the mental fog that I was in and the numbness and the pain, everything that comes with depression that I was in. So um, my mom actually made the appointment with my doctor and my sister-in-law drove me to and from the appointment and stayed with me there and made sure I was able to explain everything correctly to the doctor just because like I was so not able to really function that's when I was able to get on medicine. And I want to talk to you about getting on medicine for postpartum anxiety and or depression. I have a whole video on it. It's about 12 minutes long. It's a YouTube video that I was asked to to do for a postpartum support group, but I have since shared it for anybody that it might help. And there's like almost a thousand views on it now. I think it's a subject that people are really curious about. Postpartum moms are really curious about what medicine might look like for them. What does it feel like? How's it going to be? How's it going to change how they feel? Is it, are they going to be able to be a normal person on it? So I answer all of those questions and what the process of, you know, the first two weeks, what it felt like weeks, two, th- um, weeks, uh, two through four, what it felt like weeks, four through six until it started to really feel normal again. Um, so the whole onboarding of the medicine and getting on it, I, ex- I explained in that. So check the show notes if you're interested in that uh, again. So I got on the medicine, but it took, you know, at least four to six weeks to really kick in. And at that time, my mother was across the country serving a mission for our, a volunteer mission for our church with my stepdad. And I wanted them to be there. And so she and I decided to call my aunt, who I'm close with, who lived six hours away to, she drove down from where she lives and she was with me for a few days until I could really just get that medicine sort of working for me. And until my mother-in-law was then able to come and kind of switch her, trade her out. So this whole time, my my older son, he at the time was a huge source of my anxiety, which 
I learned since then that it wasn't him that was my source of my anxiety. It was the way I was thinking and my thought patterns, which I'm going to teach you about in future episodes. I'm so, so stoked to teach you that because that changed my life and gave me kind of a lifeboat in the sea of postpartum depression and anxiety. So I'm so excited to share that with you later on. But my toddler was I, just a huge source of anxiety for me because of my thoughts. And so he was being taken by the sweet ladies in the ward. Like one day he'd be at one play- person's house for a play date and then another person's house and then maybe some family's house. And gratefully he was healthy enough to be able to be at people's houses. So grateful for that. But yeah. And my aunt came, then my mother-in-law came and I slowly healed. The medicine was really necessary for me at that time. And I, I am a, I mean, if you don't know me, I love essential oils. I love not taking my kids to the doctor if I don't need to, if I can find a way to like help them through a sickness in a natural way at home, I do. But I will say 100% the medicine was helpful to me at that time. And I wasn't on it forever. And I'll talk to you later about how I decided to go off of it and when and what that looked like. But the medicine essentially just helped me to, I still had a full range of emotions, but I didn't get to that deep, really deep, dark place. I did have suicidal thoughts before I got on my medicine and even in the first couple of weeks when I was on them, but it wasn't super frequent. And I was really good about whenever I did notice a suicidal thought, I, I never acted on it. I never even planned for it. And if you have, there's no shame in that. I just want you to know that I was just really good about telling someone about those thoughts. And I think that was my favorite mechanism to work through the deepest part of my depression was to make sure every time I had a really scary thought, I didn't necessarily share what it was, but I shared that I had had one and I kept my mother-in-law and my husband really in the loop on that. So slowly the rest of 2016. So right now we're in about April, 2016. I slowly healed in April. My husband graduated. Oh my gosh, that was such a saving grace. My husband graduated and was able to get a job just the next month later. And we were able to have him home at regular predictable hours. And it was reasonable amount of the day that he was at work, you know, just typical work day, nine to five. And it was just a game changer. And so it was like, I got on my medicine, my husband graduated, my people came to help me and all of a sudden life was better, but I was just swimming January to March, 2016. Those are like my dark time. It was my story. So as I slowly healed, here are my favorite things that I found to help me heal. And then I will send you off to the next episode, which is part two of my story. And it takes you from all of my healing all the way to baby number three, my second episode of postpartum depression and coaching, which is what I found that helped me completely heal from postpartum depression, get off my meds, lose weight and everything like that. So the last part of this story to finish up, my my husband graduated, got the normal jobs. I, to cope with my anxiety that was still kind of there, even though my medicine really helped with it. During, you know, while I was waiting for the meds to kick in and then when they weren't in full effect yet, I was still, it was a really dark time. And that was still like six weeks after I got on the meds, I was still struggling and waiting for them to help me. And so I got into yoga. I had always kind of been interested in yoga and on and off would do it here and there, but I really did it regularly. And my time on the mat became this sacred, my yoga mat became this sacred time where I could like anxiety couldn't touch me. And, um, I used essential oils to kind of be signals to my mind to be at relaxed and at peace. And I had thoughts to kind of go with my oils. And that was really helpful. I also, um, I joined a book club and I recommend reading happy books. If you're struggling postpartum and you're going to be doing book club stuff, happy books, side note, my sister-in-law 
founded the social media, uh, the Instagram account, the social, social book club. And it's a really great way to join a book club that reads a new book every month. If you don't have one locally to you. So check that out. But I was just so blessed that a lady in my neighborhood was getting her yoga teacher certification. And so she was teaching uh, weekly free yoga classes. And that was my lifeline. I waited for the day to go to those each week, just as I waited for that medicine to kick in. And as I was learning about how to deal with my um, anxiety and depression, something else that really was enlightening to me, and I don't necessarily recommend it for everyone if it's not kind of your cup of tea, but this was really, gave me a lot of context as I was healing the book feelings. So it's a book, it's called feelings buried alive, never die. And I will put a link to it in the show notes because I can't remember the author right now, but it'll be in the show notes. She, she basically lists every physical symptom and ties it to the, her belief is that you're like, when you have a lot of emotions that are not being heard, you're not, you're kind of suppressing your emotions. You're not really taking care of them. They can, they are what causes a lot of our physical health problems. And I do believe that actually. Um, and so I looked up a cyst bursting, like an like cyst growth in uh, the area of my body that the urologist had said it was. And it was with self-pity, like deep self-pity and feeling alone and lonely and self-pity. And I can't even tell you how much that freaked me out because it was so spot on with what I, if I mean, if I could give one emotion that sort of was there the whole time as my depression worsened, it was self-pity. And for better or for worse, right? That's where I was. I didn't have the thought tools to kind of pick a new thought and a new emotion to deal with that. So that's just where I was. But self-pity is exactly what I was going through. So that, that book was just kind of gave me a window into sort of the natural healing route, which I still integrate today into my my life and definitely my first year postpartum, I like to do stuff like that. And even how I approached my natural labor with my third baby. So I am grateful for that. All right. And that basically concludes this part of my part one of my story. Um, and I just wanted to thank you for listening. I'm going to share how I had baby number three naturally in the next part of my story and also releasing my album and moving to a new city in order to get more care when my depression struck again after baby number three. And the best part of the second part of my story next episode is just how I was able to find coaching and how life coaching, which I will explain to you what the heck that even is and what it looks like, totally gave me the tools to build myself a ladder and crawl myself out of the hole that depression creates for you and kind of get on my own two feet again. I also went on to lose 40 pounds with life coaching and the way that I was able to do that with those same tools. And I became a coach and I'm using those tools to teach my, my kids, um, how to be emotionally healthy and mentally healthy and responsible, and also coaching tons of women, especially postpartum moms with those same tools, teaching those tools and helping them coach themselves out of their own issues in their lives. So, so healthy, so great, such a transformation. So excited to share it with you. See you in the next episode. Hey, Liz here. When I was struggling as a mom of three littles, it was actually a podcast just like this that a friend shared with me that woke me up to getting the help I needed. 
please consider sharing a favorite episode with a friend or leave me a review on iTunes to help other moms find the help they need here too. And if you're wanting to get more involved with these topics, you can join my Facebook group for even more discussion, fun, live Q&A sessions, getting to know other moms and wellness ideas. We're at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash wake up your wellness. All one word. Be well, my friends, and I will see you there.